Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Are you tired of investing your time and your energy into relationships that go nowhere and you know deep down the common denominator is you. You have awareness that whatever you're doing right now in relationships is not working, it's not serving you, and you are ready to take ownership of this area of your life and finally learn how to embody a securely attached, confident woman who can attract a great relationship. If that's you, I have a very special invitation I want to invite you to apply to the Empowered, Secure, and Loved program. This is a program designed to help you no matter your attachment style, no matter your relationship past, it will help you move to secure attachment so that you can show up confident, you can communicate well, you can navigate any kind of conflict, and you can create that relationship that you've always wanted while simultaneously having high self-worth and high levels of self-love. If that's you and you know that in 2022, you are ready for a great relationship and you're committed to getting there, I want to personally invite you to apply to the ESL program Use the link in my Instagram bio. On Instagram, it's at Dr. Morgan Coaching, Dr. Morgan Coaching, and the link is also in the show notes. Spots are extremely limited, so go apply now to reserve your spot and start your journey to high self worth and great relationships. Hello, it's your host, Dr. Morgan, and this is part two of last week's episode. This was a continuation with Kelly Chase, and we went really in-depth in this episode. We talked about avoidant attachment, why it is so challenging, and the, the pieces about avoidant attachment that are actually really painful. We also talk about shame and sex and how shame can really distort our ability to have great sex lives. We talk about securely attached sex, how to communicate during sex. We talk about the fear of starting life over. So starting from scratch, we talk about uncoupling, dating failures, forgiveness, being honest with yourself. There's so much goodness in this episode. I don't want you to miss out. And once again, thanks to Kelly for sharing these with us. I went on her podcast and I just knew that the audience would really benefit from hearing this. So You can also check out Kelly's podcast. It's Chase Life with Kelly, anywhere podcasts are aired. And she's on Instagram at Chase Life with Kelly. And she's so much more than a reality TV contestant, so much more than just what you saw 
on Love is Blind. Um, and it was just such a privilege to have these conversations with her. So I hope you enjoy them. And of course, you know, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Enjoy the episode. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the show. You have heard from this lovely lady in the past, um, but we had just had so much to talk about. So I had to have her on for a part two. And obviously, we could probably talk about things to part 12. <laughs> but she's so cool. Um, so Dr. Morgan Anderson, we have back on the show. Welcome. We're going to talk. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into our what we were, we brought up during our part one episode. So hi. Hello, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me on again. I really loved our last conversation. So excited to dive in again with you. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm super excited too. Has anything, anything been going on with you since our last conversation? You know, um, I think one of the big things I'm working on, I have a book coming out in November and it's all about attachment theory. So kind of what we got into and my biggest goal is just to make attachment theory accessible to everyday people. Mm. Cause I think sometimes in the clinical psych world, they're using all this jargon and research, whatever. And I just want everyone to be able to understand it and actually apply it to their dating lives. That's mm. my mission. So I'm making attachment theory fun. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Cause we were, um, the book attached, um, was something yes. that, you know, it's very, yeah, it's not as fun. of a Have book. you read, um, you are a badass by Jen Sincero. Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. So my goal was if attached and you are a badass had a baby, Hey. That would be my book. Yes, I love that. Yeah, because she she puts the humor in it. Yes. Yeah, I do love that. Yeah, I've read that book in so long. That was like one of my first like personal development books. Me that, too. It's such a good one. It's a classic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. I just um I just joined a book writing uh like cohort. Ooh. Yeah. Um, we had our first call yesterday, and though the host of the meeting, she was going around asking everybody, you know, like if, you know, tell us where you're from. It's kind of like a connecting meeting. Um, you know, if you have an idea of what your book's going to be about. And so I start talking and of course I start crying. The only one that starts crying, like on our first call. And she's like, she's like, well, that's what we're looking for. Like, we want you to be vulnerable like that, you know, cause that's, what's really going to connect with the audience. She goes, and maybe your book isn't about what you just talked about, but maybe that's a level of healing that your book is going to take you through. Ooh, beautiful. But she was like, just start writing. Like every day, I want y'all to just write. Like, yeah. My instruction, just write. Because some of it's not going to be included in your first book. You may have, you know, multiple books. Yeah. But, so I did well, like, I'm off. I was like, in Google Docs, just like letting it all out. <laughs> well, I'll be here for you, Kelly. Like that, it's a, it's a very interesting process. I honestly have never felt so vulnerable or challenged in my life in yeah. writing it. So it's the best personal growth you could do. And I think it's like, it's not even about the book, but who you become in writing the book right. is amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for you. Thanks. Yeah, I am too. Well, I think too, you know, the, the host was saying, she goes, you know, a lot of your, your brand messaging is going to come out yes. of that too a lot. And I was like, okay, yep. <laughs> yeah. You find your voice, you find what's important to talk about. It's, it's an amazing experience. So yeah, I'm just so excited for you. 
two things. Well, yeah. So I wanted to dive into a couple of things today. Um, like I said, to follow up on things that we touched on from part one, one of those being, let's dive into the juicy stuff. The, I guess the avoidant male, like how they're showing up in the bedroom or, you know. Yeah. Why is that? Is sex better? Yeah. Why is sex better than an avoidant uh, male? And, you know, why? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know we did not have time to thoroughly discuss that. So let's, let's talk about it. So with avoidant attachment, there's emotional unavailability and there's a lot of difficulty in expressing emotions. There's also a ton of difficulty with offering reassurance. And for those of you that are listening, it's like reassurance is what someone is saying and doing so that you know that they want to be in the relationship with you, that they value you, that they're like into you, right? With avoidant attachment, it's really hard for them to do that. They have a lot of blocks around doing that. Mm. So with that as our context, right? When you have sex, it's like, All of a sudden, all of those intimacy, reassurance, attachment needs, they're all getting met in the sex. So it just feels so intense. And it's it's really, really enjoyable, really good for people because that's the only place in the relationship where that emotional safety connection is happening. Mm. Wow. So it's like... (laughs) (laughs) I think about it like this, like, let's say emotional security and that reassurance and secure attachment, if that's like chocolate, right. Mm -hmm. And you only have chocolate like once a month, right. It's like, Whoa, it's so good. Right. So it's like, you're, you're getting flooded with all these emotions. Um, and that that's what creates the intensity. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Huh. <laughs> so and it's like, I mean, I think a lot of us can relate to that experience of having those connections and you're like, but the sex is so good, but everything else in the relationship is really confusing and awful, but right. the sex is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why. Yeah. Well, and I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people stay in those types of relationships too, because they're you know, will I ever find better in bed? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. You know, but they're we but, all heard that. Yeah. But like the majority of the time with this person, like you just said, it's like confusing. Am I, are we dating? Are we in a relationship? Like what's going on? Do they yeah. really love me? Like, you know, do they value me? Like there's a lot of uncertainty in it, but then when they're, you know, uniting per sex, like, they feel like, oh my God, like, of course he loves me because he gives me so much affection and all of that. Do you find, I was kind of talking with you a little bit prior to us recording, but do you find that um, oftentimes the avoidant, although they're giving a lot and it's very, um, it's the best sex you may have ever had or something, but do you find that those types of people are also uh, maybe more selfish in the bedroom too? And, but like, I don't, like, they're not really like, um, yeah. Or not as tuned in. They're not yeah. as tuned in. Yeah. And they're not really um giving the girl everything that maybe we need yeah. in intimacy, but because the sex feels good, 
the girl feels where she creates a story that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so unconscious too. Like if you think about your body and all of the hormones and oxytocin and all of it that's happening and you're getting these periods of, wow, I feel so connected to this person. Right. So yeah, there's a few things that happen. They're, they're definitely more selfish. I mean, not that everybody is because it's, it's on a spectrum, right? Like you have people who are crazy avoidantly attached. You have people who are like, oh, secure and somewhat avoidantly attached. So Mm -hmm. it's on a spectrum, but just in general, they do struggle to tune in to other people. Mm -hmm. And I want to highlight this. It's not to villainize these people. It's just like, this is their experience in relationships. They didn't have someone to really tune into them ever. So Mm -hmm. they didn't learn how to do it for other people, right? And they have beliefs about not being good at tuning into other people and sort of like being a failure. And they have beliefs about if I do get connected, this person might abandon me. So I just Mm -hmm. want to make sure it's like, we understand where it comes from. Right, right. But absolutely, they really struggle to tune into people. Here's the other phenomena, which I know women listening, you're going to relate to this. So what happens when that's the only place in your relationship where you're getting that safety and that connection? You want sex more often. Right, right. It's yeah. like when I was in a four-year relationship with an avoidantly attached person, I really needed, it felt like a need, sex mm-hmm. like daily or multiple times a day because that was the only place I was getting that connection. Oh, yeah. But in my relationship with a securely attached person, it's like, oh, it just, it happens when it happens. It's not this like, Ooh, I need it every single day. And huh. sure. Maybe there's some hormones or whatever, like my libido, but I know it's more about the relationship and the attachment. Wow. That makes total sense. Have you experienced that Kelly? Yeah, I would say so. Um, it's, Yes. It's <laughs> like connecting the dots. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I, it, there's a lot of like connecting pieces here, but you know, I've been ever since, um, you know, I got off birth control like almost 10 years ago now. And I know that that one, um, increased my libido altogether. Like I was actually feeling a sex drive and like feeling my emotions more and all of that. So I feel like with that, but then, you know, years later going through this whole like self-love and spiritual awakening, um, and learning how to please myself and all of that. Like now I'm just so much more tuned in and tapped into my own self, but it's like, I do have a, like, I'm more of a sexual being now. Yes. You know, and, that, so and, like, that's, yeah. and I'm like craving that, but like, I, the, it's the connection that yeah. I'm craving. So when I have like a really amazing, like evolved conversation with someone, it's almost like I can feel that same, like orgasmic euphoric experience just right. as I'm, you know, being intimate with someone, but with a person that I, you know, probably in the last year that I was romantic or intimate with avoidant. Um, I feel like, yeah, like I would have loved to be more like for it to happen more frequently, because I know that that was when I was getting the most connected with him because he was yeah. not vulnerable. And we weren't necessarily having those like deeper evolved conversations that were giving me that. Yeah. Or kind of feeling. So 
but it was funny because like one time I remember him saying like we had just got done having sex and he was like oh my god like I wish I like like had you like every day to do this with and I'm like yeah that's called a girlfriend (laughs) yeah yeah I I mean I would love to do this every day too but step up to the plate and (laughs) And, you know I think like it's all about like where's that desire coming from right when it's this healthy place of I want to connect and I know that this connection is available and you know we can enjoy each other this way that's amazing when it's from this place of oh my gosh I feel so uncertain in this relationship This is the only way that I can feel some connection and I need it instead Mm -hmm. of I want it. Right. That's where we're getting into that anxious attachment, avoidant attachment dynamic. And I mean, it can feel really, and and I talk to women all the time where they almost have this shame. They're like, well, why do I need sex? Like they feel like guilty about it. Yeah. Like, well, hey, maybe the way your relationship has functioned only allows you to feel connected and safe when you have sex. So that's why, you know, it's like, I think I just want to make sure people understand that there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. If if that's how your relationship has functioned, but there are other ways of being, you could get to a place where you just want sex. And it's one of the many ways you connect with your partner instead of the only way. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I want multifaceted. (laughs) Yeah. Just what you were saying, like a deep conversation or, you know, what if you're taking a walk together and you're, you know, sharing, um, a really wonderful talk about your future, or maybe you're being vulnerable about your past, like opening up to each other in deep levels, cooking a meal together can be connection. Like, all these ways to connect, but if sex is the only way it's happening, it actually puts a lot of pressure on it. Right. And it just makes it not a very, yeah, it's not sustainable is the word I want. It's not sustainable over the long term. Hmm. So we should talk about securely attached sex. Yeah. Talk about it. I'm here for it. Let's go. (laughs) What does that feel like? I don't think I've ever had that. So (laughs) (laughs) securely attached sex. So when people transition into a securely attached relationship, I think sometimes you'll hear them say like, I'm like feeling bored, right? Like if you've been in the anxious avoidant dynamic. Yeah. So What's happening is you've associated relationships with the drama and the unavailability and the up and the down. So you're like, this is boring. But what people need to realize is when your energy is not going into the drama and not going into the unpredictability, it can go into deepening the connection and truly building a life and having wonderful experiences with someone. So it's a connection that builds over time instead of this intense amplified connection that, you know, blast off and then crashes immediately. Right. Like that intensity. So Hmm. the slow burn. Yeah. Yeah. Could that confuse people in the beginning of their relationship? Like they're, they're like, wow. I mean, he meets all these other needs that I didn't have before but like the sex isn't that great. And, yeah. you know, like confuse them to the point where, but is there now, is there better? Is there even better? Like yeah. is there someone that's going to meet all these needs and be amazing in bed, you know, like to begin. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, I get this all the time. And and what I what I tell people is we have to rewire our brains. That's what's going on here. You're creating a new relationship model. Mm. And one of the affirmations is secure is sexy. Like to feel safe and secure is sexy. Love that. To remind yourself that. Mm. And then what happens is you get to learn how to ask for what you want in the bedroom and feel safe doing that and really communicating. And then guess what? The sex gets better over time. There's more connection. There's more safety. There's more communication and sex becomes more enjoyable. Right. So I think people sometimes they're like, oh, there's just no spark. Right. Because they're used to the avoidantly attached sex experience. Um, and then they they break up with somebody before they give it the chance to really develop into a wonderful, securely attached sexual mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. Um, yeah. And it's becoming more, the more that you personally are secure with yourself, like you said, is going to give you that confidence and courage to communicate better in the bedroom so that you're asking for what you want and, you know, like also asking them what they like, you know, too. So then you may, it may become sexier or whatever, because you're exploring and trying new things or whatever, or just feeling safe. Like, Hey, I like this. I don't like this. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I understand that. You're allowing each other to feel safe. And then that creates room for curiosity and playfulness. Mm, yeah. open communication. And it's a depth of experience that when you're with someone who's emotionally unavailable, it might be really intense at times, but you, you don't reach that depth of comfort and safety and really truly deep connection. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the more that you, it's, it's interesting. Cause I am, I'm going through like, uh, uh, it's called quantum ripple effect, um, program, but we're studying a lot of the attachment, which isn't, isn't new to me. Like I've learned about attachment theory, um, mm-hmm. granted from reading the attached book, but like relationship wise, but also it's been brought to my attention prior to this program about like money attachment. Like it's very similar. Like you have the avoidant and anxious and all the things with your money too. And so, um, the, um, I guess the coach, she used the word, like, you know, having that little bit of awareness and expansion, like edging, like you're edging yourself yeah. a little bit, like, okay. Like you you may not go from like anxious to secure in like 60 seconds. It's yeah. you're slowly bringing awareness to every time you feel like your gut constrict or contract. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what is this? Where is this coming from? And then like, okay, let's like, hold space for whatever feelings and emotions are coming up. And that's like a part of the healing, but like edging yourself. So the next time you're like, Oh, I've I've felt this before. Okay. And now we like edge ourselves more towards that more secure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. You can learn to show up in a securely attached place more of the time. Like maybe during my healing journey, it was okay. I can do it 25% of the time. Then it was, 40%, 40%, that it was 60, that it was 75. And now I'm probably like 90%. Mm. But that was a process over years. Right. Right. Yeah. What yeah. 
about, um, okay, so in the bedroom while you're being intimate with someone, if someone does do something that you're not fond of, like having the courage and confidence to speak up and say something where I feel like, I mean, I've been in this situation before where I did say something, but then I like didn't like be like, well, screw you and I'm leaving. (laughs) It was more of like, I voiced how I felt and then I still allowed the intimate moment to happen. Um, Mm. And I had, I I had talked to like, I don't know, some other like a guy, like relationship expert about that. And he goes, he's like, did you like get up and leave the room? And I was like, in my head, I'm like, no, (laughs) but you know, it was, um, I feel like we, like, how is that like learning about that? Like, and is that a part of like your, that's a part of like maybe my more like anxious attachment because I'm like in fear if I like leave, then the guy's just never going to talk to me again or whatever. And it's like, why why do we allow ourselves to be like, they would, they would respect us even more if we probably did get up and leave. Right. Then, or lay down and be like, no, you know what? I'm just not in the mood anymore and go out into the living room. (laughs) It's like, yeah, so much fear that like, we're not getting accepted or chosen or whatever, you know? And it's like, we're probably not getting chosen to begin with if we're in that type of situation. Kelly, this is so vulnerable. And I love that you're talking about this. Um, I think women need to hear this. Absolutely. It is. It's that anxious attachment response to value the relationship over our own needs and our own wants. Right. So to say, well, I'll do whatever to not jeopardize the connection instead of I need to honor myself and honor my needs mm-hmm. in order to even have a connection that I want. Cause you and I know in the long term, if you continue to do that, the anxiously attached person builds up a lot of resentment yeah, yeah. over time and then you're out. Right. So it's like in order to even have the relationship that you want and make it sustainable, of course you do have to tune into yourself, mm-hmm. speak up, voice what's going on. And the, the securely attached person is assertive. So the, you know, the assertive response is explaining what, what you're feeling. And then I think you can also be kind, right? I think people think like, Oh, assertive is mean, but we can be assertive and kind Mm -hmm. and in the bedroom. Cause we all, it's, it's a very vulnerable thing, right? Like to be naked literally with someone. It's such a vulnerable thing. So one of the best things we can do is just redirect and say, what I would like instead is, yeah. right. Unless it's like truly like a violating experience and you, it's like not at all what you want, then of course, like set a boundary, leave. But if it's just, you don't like what they're doing, you can say, you know, what I'd really like instead is, and Mm. that's that kind redirect. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Men have fragile, you know, it's like, we have to talk about men as well, right? Like there's some fragile, fragile egos of they, they have all of this value and like their worthiness wrapped up in how they perform. Mm -hmm. I think we have to keep that in mind and we, we can be assertive and kind and kind. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they don't want to, I mean, just like, we don't want to feel like we're doing something wrong. They don't either. Yeah. And gosh, you and I know this, there are so many crazy messages out there about what women want in the bedroom. Like look at like pornography, right? Like, Oh my gosh, the models are not great. Right. Um, so sometimes there's an educational 
no piece of like being very securely attached and assertive and communicating what you want. Yeah. That's it. It's all communication. Everybody with everything. It's communication. (laughs) And then it's like at the core, it's that you are healing your self-worth to have that communication. Right. Cause like Mm -hmm. you, we can know all the ways we're supposed to communicate, but if we haven't done that deep healing work, we can't even access the communication or maybe we can for a while, but it won't last. Mm -hmm. That's why, I mean, you and I know it's like the deep core belief work. Yeah. It really sets you up for great relationships and everything else. I agree. Hmm. Okay. So let's, did you, do you have anything else to say about that stuff before I pivot to something else? <laughs> I think I just want to put out like a PSA securely attached <laughs> sex is great. Okay. You can have it. You can enjoy it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, that's one thing it goes into that, but, um, you know, people staying in relationships, not necessarily saying like about the, um, the sex itself, but just like, been dating this person for, you know, four or five years. And I ultimately, I, I know like, I'm not as happy as I could be, but I don't know what to do. I don't, you know, some people like live with their boyfriends and they're the breadwinner, like the boyfriend's the breadwinner or whatever. And, and or, or husband, whatever. And it's like, they have like such a fear of like starting their life over or, leaving and never finding again, or how long is the process going to take until they find someone and they could be Mm. in their thirties, you know, the time clock sticking, all the things. And, you know, it's just, um, those are just conversations I've had recently, like in my, in my DMS. So, you know, giving them, you know, giving that type of person the feedback of, you know, choosing themselves and how to navigate that. And then we'll go into the uncoupling conversation. Oh yeah. I love that. So good. Yeah. Oh gosh. I will say this, like when we're really connected to our inner guidance system, to our deep inner knowing, you know, right? Yeah. I think we've all can relate to a moment where it just, it, it hits you and you know, and then what we do is we go, oh my gosh, it's too painful. I can't deal with the pain of it. So then we numb, we distract, we avoid, we stay in the situation, situation gets worse. And then what we realize is, do you want to spend a life of suffering, right. actual suffering for the rest of your life? Or do you want to go through the temporary pain mm-hmm. of leaving a relationship? Right. So when that suffering becomes so painful, I think people go, okay, all right, I'll do the temporary pain. But sometimes that process just takes so long, right? When it's like, if you were just honest with yourself mm-hmm. up front, you could avoid some of that suffering. Yeah. Um, I do know this, and I just coached somebody through this the other day of sometimes we just haven't had the hard conversations or we haven't asked the questions that we need to ask right? in order to have our brain know like this relationship is just not for me. Mm-hmm. So there's like some data you have to gather sometimes, but once you have the data, honor, honor your inner guidance and do what you need to do. Go through the temporary pain, avoid yeah. the lifetime of suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't think that we think the, we only see like what's right in front of our nose and that's the 
temporary pain that we think is going to last a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. We're like, I'm not going to survive this, but actually you will. Yeah. And then you avoid the lifetime of suffering. And, you know, I just coached someone who was 30 uh, in a marriage that was 30 years and husband had cheated multiple times, stayed together for the kids. Um, and then she finally leaves and she goes, I should have done this 25 years ago. Mm, yeah. But she's amazing. I mean, she's like dating and she has a whole new. So that's the thing I want to say too. If you're listening, you're like, well, I've been in suffering. That's okay. Yeah. It's never too late. Just give yourself compassion and you, and you really can. If you know deep in your heart that it's not the relationship for you, you could make that decision Yeah, anytime. It's not too late. I agree. I definitely agree with that. I know. I'm like, it, it's funny because I was never, you know, I grew up with the story of, you know, you don't divorce unless the guy's beaten you basically. And after reading, I want to say it was, it was either the four, maybe the four agreements, honestly, it was one of Don Miguel Ruiz's books. And I read that book and I was like, okay, it's all stories and limiting beliefs and all that. And, um, and then I was like, I don't know why that story of mine came up, but it was about divorce. And I was like, you know, I've been, and I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, I've been in this story for my entire life so far as like, you know, don't leave until, you know, or unless someone's like beating you kind of thing. I said, but like, if you really are just suffering emotionally and mentally in a relationship, like that is just, that is just as bad as physical abuse. Like that's, you know, like, and it, and it may not be that they're, it, it's inaction too. You know, if the guys, if the, your partner is not showing up, if they're not giving you the love and affection that you need, if you, and I'm not saying like, okay, it's feel suffering, feel bad or whatever. And like, just file divorce papers. Like, no, I feel like there's gotta be a lot of levels of communication, um, a lot of working on said relationship, whether it's couples therapy, relationship coach, however, to try to make it work. And if yeah. there's not an equal effort being put in and you're not, you're nothing's changing, then that's when it's time to end it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Let's, ex- exactly. Gather the data. And then once you have the data yeah. and if you've determined that it's time to end it, then we go through uncoupling. Coupling, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was, I've done a lot of couples therapy. Um, it was so funny. I loved couples therapy in my graduate training. Yeah. No one wanted to do it. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand. I love it. So for me, it was like getting to be in the room and seeing the relationship dynamics. I've always loved couples therapy. Yeah. Um, and since I was the only one in my cohort that wanted to do it, I had like <laughs> my very first caseload was like 10 couples. Wow. Um, yeah. but. What I've learned is successful couples therapy is not the couple staying together. It's doing what's best mm-hmm. for the couple and the individuals. And sometimes that is uncoupling. Sometimes that mm-hmm. is the very best thing. Yeah. And what does that mean for our listeners that don't aren't familiar with that term? Yeah. So uncoupling is a way to describe intentionally redefining a relationship or intentionally dissolving a romantic relationship and creating a new type of relationship in that process. Mm. 
Hmm. So what is that? Like, yeah. So like being able to leave a relationship amicably, amicably, however you say that word, yeah. um, doing it more am- amicable while then. So as you said, like creating, redefining a different type of relationship, whether that's okay. Co-parenting or yes. being, or being able to be acquaintances and kind and friendly towards yes. each other versus having a long list of resentment and regret and blame, 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 victim mode, all the things. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, we know people in our lives who do this and we're all like, oh my gosh, how, how can you do that? But the reality is, is when you've talked through things and there's acceptance, that's the hardest part, right? Like there's usually somebody that's in denial, but when both people are in acceptance and you you can actually get to forgiveness, Mm. there's a way to peacefully dissolve a union and then move into a different kind of relationship, whether it is co-parenting or friends or just acquaintances, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think a relationship is a living, breathing thing. It's a third entity. Yeah. You and I know when, when we create something with another person, there's times where it grows and it's going to be a lifelong thing, but there's times when it was just meant to be for a season and then it dies. Right. Mm -hmm. And we can acknowledge that something has died while still saying that we have so much gratitude that we had it in our life for a season. Yeah, absolutely. And if we can get there, then anything is possible in in (laughs) redefining the relationship. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, the gratitude I practice every single day myself, and that really has, it's like you're, if you can really see the beauty and the the lessons that come from every relationship and that relationship literally like we think intimate or family or whatever, but it really is like you, there's every single person that you encounter, there is some type of relationship. You know, it could be that person you're walking down the same grocery store aisle and that person just happens to look up at the same time you're looking and they, you know, you exchange a smile or a head nod or just an eye look. And it's like that person was there and it's like, wow, so grateful that that happened, that that exchange yeah. happened for me today. And it's, so you like find that, I mean, granted, this is like, I wouldn't be talking about this five years ago. <laughs> you know, It's like, so yeah. I, I have like really transformed and evolved. And I really do utilize the method of gratitude every single day. And it just makes things different and lighter and there's more joy and peace in my life because of it. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm not in a relationship, a romantic relationship yet. While also I've, you know, explored the situations of like, you know, friends with benefits and and that type of relationship where I can acknowledge and keep myself where I've done friends with benefits before and it went south. And there was a lot of like, me not communicating and, you know, growing resentment for the person because they weren't showing up or like there was a hope that that person would want to be with me. And then, you know, I was just getting mad at myself because I wasn't honoring who I was in those moments. Mm -hmm. And I was allowing myself to get more involved emotionally. Whereas over the last like, you know, year or two in those types of situations, I have been like, okay, I, I can easily cut this off, 
But I also am like in a totally different headspace because I'm like, I can be going on dates and attracting and seeking the partner who is going to choose me back while also, you know, being in a situation like this and keeping myself level-headed and knowing when I need to cut things off, I would. Um, But knowing that there's maybe that person is in my life to continue to teach me the lessons that I need in order to, when I am in that relationship, and maybe that, you know, maybe that relationship would evolve into something greater, but I'm not to say I'm like using, (laughs) not using the person, but I'm like recognizing, wow, I don't like this. I do like this. And it's, so it's like, I'm, yeah, I guess I'm, yeah, I always, I, my benefit, but I'm like grateful that I have that experience so that I can be like, okay, like, wow, I I'm learning so much more about myself because of what I'm allowing to continue in a sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kelly. I always tell people there's no failure in dating. There's only learning. You're just learning. And if we can really see it that way and, and then learn to be so honest with ourselves about what's okay and what's not okay. And what, what we want to put our energy into, that's what it comes down to. You have such precious energy as your most valuable asset. What do you Mm -hmm. want to put your energy into And I don't know if you've ever heard me say this, but I always tell my clients, we don't want to water plastic plants. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, we want to be able to give our energy to something that can grow into whatever it's meant to be. But if we don't see growth, like that just doesn't feel good to us as humans. Right. So um, don't water plastic plants. (laughs) It's like you could do everything to try to make it a real plant, but it's a plastic um, plant, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. That. Um, I love this topic so much. And I do want to say with uncoupling, one thing that's so helpful, yeah. you have to get out whatever you're holding in. Right. Because, yeah. you know, you see people go through breakups and they're like, on to the next one. And they yeah. never processed anything. Mm. And then it's going to come out sideways in ways that you don't want it to come out. I remember I had, I mean, I've been through, I don't know how many breakups, like it was, it's a lot, but (laughs) I remember my first healthy breakup and I forced myself for like 48 hours to journal and cry and just be sad. Ah. And then I moved through it so much more quickly Verse in the past, it's like, okay, forget about that. Go to the club with my girlfriends. Right. Someone else. Mm-hmm. And I'm holding on to that pain for six months or a year. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, and then it oh, comes up in other ways, like, or yeah. you know, it, it's projected maybe in your future relationship too, you know, because yeah. it was never processed, it was never resolved. You never maybe had that inner closure in a sense. So it's like, things may start to feel familiar with other, with your future partner. And then you're like, like I said, projecting the story of that onto that person, that new person. They're like, I'm not that person. Like I'm not that relationship, you know? And so that can happen too. And I know earlier you used the word forgiveness. And I think that that's so, such a big word to use. I've used it with clients of mine too, because they were harboring just negative thoughts and emotions towards exes and or situations that happened. And I'm like, 
you can continue to harbor those feelings, but what is it really doing for you? Yeah. No. And, and I understand like some things are very, you know, maybe a traumatic experience happened or whatever. And sure to have those conversations. And I'm grateful that those on the receiving end were just open to my thoughts and that dialogue because people can shut that off and be like, no, like, no, just like F that dude, like F that guy who screwed me over. Like, I don't care how childhood was. He like fucked up mine, you know? And I'm like, and I get that. And I, and I get that while also forgiving, allowing yourself to at some point forgive, and it can be a process, but allow yourself to forgive yourself Mm -hmm. and the other person who wronged you in whatever capacity that was it's yeah. just sets you free in so many ways and I mean that's that has been a big part of my journey too it's like gratitude and forgiveness and you know those are probably like really two big ones for me I'm like I can't I love that I can't control another person I can't yes. go back in time and fix things and I don't want to fix things now it's like the only thing I can control is myself and how I feel is how yes. I control myself and if I'm walking around with anger and disappointment and shame and whatever. It's like, that's heavy. Yeah. I'm so glad we're talking about this. I think this is something so many people need to hear specifically with the forgiveness piece. And I just want people to know that it's not that you're invalidating your experience. Your experience is valid. The pain is valid. What happened was valid. Forgiveness is just deciding you're not going to carry around the anger Mm-hmm. You know what really helped me with forgiveness? And I think this might help somebody is yeah. understanding capacity, that word capacity. Mm. When you realize maybe it's not exactly their intent to be the way that they were, but that they just probably didn't have the capacity to be the kind of partner that you needed. Yeah right? That was going to co-create the kind of relationship that you wanted to create. Mm -hmm. It's like you were trying to build a modern country farmhouse and they're trying to build a teepee. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the capacity, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the capacity just wasn't there to build what you wanted to build. I think that helped me so much with forgiveness when I can understand that concept. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, using that term, I I will adapt that, adopt that into my repertoire because I think that like what I said, that like romance, that relationship, but I've had more of like a friends with benefits thing that I've explored. It's like, I'm keeping myself in gratitude and like learning the lesson. And it is, it's like, I don't even know how to explain it except for the fact it's like, I've accepted what he can offer. Yes. Versus me getting upset about what he can't offer. Yeah. And that's the securely attached response, right? When it's like, well, this is where they're at. And then you get to go internal and say, is that what I want? Right. Is that going to be what aligns with the vision I have for my life with a relationship? Right. You get to ask yourself that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens more, you know, often these days. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know about this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But when we're anxiously attached, what do we do? We fill in the blanks of who we want them to be. And we imagine who they could become. Right. Yeah. And then with enough of. Yeah. And that's what I used to do in the past. It's like, and I felt so, you know, but then I would, I would create stories or, you know, or I mean, I see this, you know, within my own self from the past and then other girls. Now it's like, 
you know, he never used to be like this. I'm like, well, yeah, we have, yeah, that's how like, you know, any type of like, any type of like boundaryless or abusive type of relationship. I mean, if it's just emotional abuse or whatever, it's like, well, they never used to be that way. And I'm like, yeah, I know, <laughs> but that's like, get out of it. Stop, you know, like stop pining over someone yeah. because that version of them is not them today. And we keep expecting it to go back to that. And it's not going to happen unless they start cleaning up their act. And, you know, yeah. and like, are you going to sit there and wait 10 years or 20 or even if it's five months, you have to start moving through this and choosing you mm-hmm. above them. But it's like, yeah, you know, anxiousness. But I used to be that person that would like hold on to that thought of like who they were. Or when we first started dating, like they were so great and they were always, they always wanted to be around me. But then six months in or four months in or whatever, we started to pull away and they weren't, you know, and it's like, I'm still creating the story in my head. Well, they'll change. We'll get back to it. Maybe they're just going through a rough time. And we just continue mm-hmm. to make excuses, but also create stories and, and just um, attach ourselves more to the hope of what you're looking for. And it's just not it anymore. They can't give us yeah. what we're for. Yeah. Like you plant it, you plant the seeds, you hope it's going to grow into this beautiful oak tree. Right. But it's like, sometimes it's growing and then you realize this is, this is a plastic plant. This is not, <laughs> it's withering. <laughs> yeah. It's actually not going to grow. I overwatered. I overwatered with all of my too much love and affection. Yes. When we, yeah, we're like giving too much energy and it's like, guess what? Like the right partner you're going to give to them. They're going to give to you. You're going to create something together that is going to grow. That does feel good. Yeah. Um, and I think, Anybody who's in that situation that you described of like, oh, but they're not like how they used to be. Mm-hmm. You get to do a few things. You get to be assertive, be open, honest, direct, and say, you know, I'm noticing that this has changed. This is how this makes me feel. Then you get to do something that I love to tell people about, which is set a time boundary. Right. So you say something like, hey, I've noticed this. This is what I need. I would love to see this within the next couple of months. Like maybe you set a firm thing. I don't, it depends on what it is. Right. It's like, I'd love to see change within two months. And I want to be upfront, honest with you that if I do not, I don't think this is the right relationship for me. And that's, that's not manipulation. Right. It's setting a time boundary. It's setting a clear expectation and it's saying there's consequences. Right. Absolutely. So you get to give them the opportunity to change, but then you keep that time boundary to yourself and them. And if it hasn't changed, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And for things that that are bad, it's like, that could be a week time boundary, you know? Yeah. Like 24 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Please don't change by five o'clock tonight. I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. And there's times where there's no need for a time boundary. It's just, you're out. Yeah. But there's times where, Hey, if there was something that was a little bit different, maybe it could be a really healthy dynamic that could grow and you just need to get it back on course. Yeah. Set a time boundary. Absolutely. Mm, I love that. That's good. I'm going to have to like, obviously when this comes out, I'm going to like re-listen and like actually write down exactly what you said. <laughs> it was so, it was so gracefully put. <laughs> it didn't well, like, there wasn't like you said, like the, there wasn't, it didn't sound like manipulative. 
well, if you do that, you know, yeah. it's very gracefully put. So I like that. It's yeah. Securely attached and assertive. We yeah. get to be that way. We yeah. deserve to be that way. I love yeah. that. Oh, this yeah. has been so good. I know I can talk to you like forever about all of this. Um, but is there any like last thing you want to, you want to share with our, with our listeners before I wrap? Yeah, I would just say that you get to be honest with yourself about the kind of relationship that you want. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if it doesn't look like other people's. You get to be really honest with how do you want to be loved? What kind of relationship do you want to build? What do you want that to look like? How do you want to feel? And there's some people who crave really deep connection. And there's some people who are okay with just a little bit of connection. Mm -hmm. And if you crave deep connection, be honest with yourself in that and know that it's available to you. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And start finding evidence that it is. I think that when you, when you make that affirmation and you are, um, just aligning yourself with that, you do start receiving more evidence of that coming into like, yeah, I promise everyone out there, like, if you have never done this before, like write out like all the, how you want to feel in a relationship and like how you want that person to show up for you and these qualities and characteristics of what your dream relationship looks like. And I promise if you keep reminding yourself of this you will see like if someone comes in and they're not to say if they're not like checking off all the boxes, you know, but aren't what you're looking for. It's easier with that awareness to be like, this isn't for me, you know? And so you can move through the dating process a little bit more um, efficiently. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's that core awareness of how you want to feel. You said it very well of, yeah, how do you want to feel? And I tell my clients, just pick three emotions of how you want to feel and remind yourself of that. Mm -hmm. And then gather the data as you're dating. Do you feel how you want to feel with this person? If not, time to move on, make space for what you want. Yeah. Mm, I love that. That was great advice. Thank you for sharing. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I love our conversations. I know me too. We'll tell just in case they didn't listen to part one, tell everyone where they, where they can find you. <laughs> yes. Come find me. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Morgan coaching. And then I have a podcast as well, which Kelly was on and people love that episode. Um, but it's called the let's get vulnerable podcast. And I'd love for you to tune in tons of attachment theory and, um, lots of great relationship advice. So yeah. All right. So great. Well, thanks again for being here and thanks for just, um, yeah, being able to touch a lot of lives. So thanks. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah. So excited for all you're doing. Thank Thank you you so much. You're welcome. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth, 
and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.